Welcome back to Anime Death Spiral, the only <laughs> anime podcast that is well-versed in the mystic arts. Uh, I'm Nate. As ever, I'm here with Remy. Uh, Remy, uh, what's new with anime? Well, we're right in the middle of uh, our summer season. Unfortunately, I have not... Um, <laughs> I have not continued watching uh, any of the shows we talked uh, no, about. No, because you've been simping for your uh, half-elf goth uh, Baldur's Gate waifu. No, I don't. You know what? She's kind of a prick. And also my anime partners uh, got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they went down. They're down for the count on oh, this COVID no. shit. Hey, COVID's still happening. Did you know that? Uh, I did. I'm not sure other people did. Maybe we should spread the word a little. It seems like a lot of people don't know that it's actually still happening. Uh, but yeah, they got COVID, so uh, I did make I did make a promise because I'm a good friend. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna watch anime without them. How selfless of you! What a sacrifice. Well, you know, it's like uh, I've talked a lot about this, but uh, I'm not much of like a rewatcher. I know some people are big rewatchers, right? People have like comfort shows or comfort movies you know that they'll go to over and over again okay so that's interesting you bring that up because that is a statement that i identify with like a yeah. lot but when i think about it it's like i used to be like that i haven't really re-watched anything that i would consider like in my catalog uh in a long time um now that you're at the proper dosage of medication. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just like, it feels like I got caught up in the in the new content cycle, right? There's always something new to look forward to that's coming out. There's there's always something new. That's, that's one aspect of it. But in the past, uh, there are certain games, definitely certain shows and movies that I would rewatch several times, especially anime. So I think a lot of people who grew up in the Toonami Adult Swim era would say Cowboy Bebop is one of those. You know, it definitely used to be true for me. I've seen that all the way through probably five or six times. Sure, sure, yeah. I, I mean, I get it. Anyways, I just, uh, it's been a while since I've felt the urge to to really indulge in, in something where, uh, that I know what I'm getting, right? You know, like a Happy Meal. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, the thing I I I've only really done it with a few things. Like obviously, uh, you know, I've I've seen uh Ghost of the Shell and Akira, uh, you know, the most boring choices in the world, but I've watched them plenty of times, mostly just because I'm watching them with other people who may or may not have seen it. That's a big factor, you know, always showing showing people stuff uh that they obviously uh well should have seen at that point if they're an adult. Uh, yeah, you know, it's irresponsible to let them continue on uh, being ignorant in that way. So I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, at <laughs> some point you have to know what's happening in the world around yeah. you. <laughs> Somebody needs to put an end to your ignorance. But I think with those specifically, you know, especially like Acura, I I've seen that a, a number of times, and I feel like it's just such a good movie that regardless of it being anime or an adaptation of the Acura manga, like I just really like that movie and I like watching it because it seems like they're always something new that I'm reinterpreting or, or noticing because it's so yeah. hyper detailed and it's so dense. 
Yeah, I mean, it's great. It's like if I ever watch TV again and, like, there's, you know, I probably will never watch, like, television again in my entire life. Uh, If I can avoid watching, like, television, television on channels with commercials ever again, I'll have considered my life well-lived. I don't think I ever will again. Um, But the one thing I will miss is that thing where you're, like, you turn on a TV and it's, I don't know, like a quarter of the way through Friday the 13th or something on like some old movie channel. And you're like, okay, I'll watch that. And sure. then you talk okay. about it like with your friends at school who who also saw it, but they saw the non-TV edited version. And so like when you bring it up, uh, all, the, all these funny lines that you liked and they look at you weird like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not, that's <laughs> not the line. What are you, some kind of loser? Some of the James Bond movies do get uh, heavily edited before they make it onto television. I do remember that. Well, you what? The famous one is is the Big Lebowski. Uh, what happens when you meet a stranger in the Alps? I don't. I've never watched Big Lebowski on television. I oh no, that's that. uh, go look it up. It's funny, uh, but that's like yeah. one of the like like that's the the famous line from the TV edit is instead of uh, you know when when he's beaten the. The, the guy's car uh, when they're yeah. looking for his bunny uh, instead of saying this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass he says <laughs> this is what happens when you meet a stranger in the alps and it's so yeah. bizarre it's so uh i i don't even know if they were trying to like just match the lip movement um <laughs> I, I don't think that that level of detail is necessary uh, just bleep out the word. I'm sick of these snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. That uh, Yes, that's the other uh, <laughs> notable TV edit one. Yeah, yeah. you know, I do miss that. I know some streaming sites kind of try to replicate that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I was about to say big Shudder fan, but I don't know if I feel like comfortable saying I'm a fan of a streaming platform. <laughs> but I it do appreciate it. I it's would. kind of the only one I don't feel too guilty about paying money to, to be honest. Uh, and I do like that they have the two, they have usually like a, just a stream of movies that you can click onto and be like, what, what are they playing today? Oh, some shit that I definitely wouldn't have chosen for myself. Okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? That is a cool uh, I like feature that, that, um, I feel didn't, didn't early Netflix have like a, like a shuffle feature like that or something, or am I dreaming here? Um, there is a, there is a, a random button on Netflix. Yeah. yeah I wouldn't choose that either. <laughs> not with this Netflix. Yeah. I mean, the problem is the Netflix catalog, uh, is not as good as the shutter catalog. <laughs> uh, a, a vast ocean of trash is what yeah. Netflix is. Whereas the shutter catalog is a um loosely curated pond of trash yeah it's like it's a it's a small pond that is uh fun to look at uh and it's kind of scummy but there's a there's a no swimming sign because of cholera next to it (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) uh they they do good work though they do good work over on shutter I don't want to diss it too much. They do well, good we work. talked about it last time. They just released the first three episodes of Dark Gathering on sh- as a Shutter release, which I was surprised by. Um, yeah, I thought that was weird. Uh, I wonder if they're going to put you know any other anime on there. I know for a while they had Perfect Blue um, in their catalog, which you know surprised me. But I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, always, always good to see a Satoshi Kone out in the wild. Of course, of course. I mean, think about think of the possibilities if they opened up the doors to classic 
horror anime. I mean, we could get our Vampire Hunter Ds in there. We could get our Wicked Cities in there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we could get some well, real you know, nice there's shit a whole, in uh, Because of the whole OVA, um, like, release format of the early 90s, there's, like, a, a whole edit of of uh, Wicked City that's, like, just a porn version where they <laughs> animated extra porn scenes to, like, put in there to make it a porn. Yeah, yeah, sort of the opposite approach to the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, well, you know what? This is what's selling, so uh, make the edit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's, uh, what's, uh, what's, what's else in the news? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that a so reference to a movie I've never seen? You never you never watched an episode of Tonight Show with Jay Leno? Uh, no, because I'm not 80 years old. Yeah, I guess it's out of, out of our particular age range. We're not that old yet. <laughs> I was trying to think. I don't, <laughs> I really haven't watched anything, so it's like, to make up for it, I kind of wanted to know, like, what are people talking about? What are, what is the news? What's, what's happening that would be relevant to anime that I don't have to like consume an entire thing of? Sure. Uh, it's, and it turns out, hey, <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, uh, finding anime news fucking sucks. Like, there are no good anime news sites. Uh, they're really bad. They're all bad. Well, it turns out that there's just not a lot of anime news that isn't just the release schedule for the next season well i was gonna say you know people talk about this like decline of journalism over and over again uh and it it, just like uh everything else uh the only places that actually publish any kind of information about like new happening in the world of manga and anime are basically just hype men they're just Mm -hmm. people who like run ads i mean like the the anime news network site uh, is indistinguishable from like the Crunchyroll news feed. It is just people uh, posting promo material and talking about how good anime is without any kind of like additional information. Oh well, well, hey, well, hey, I think anime is good. Anime is good. That's re- that is relevant to my interest. In a in a very general sense, <laughs> without being critical about any particular thing. Uh, anime is good. Yeah. Uh, but there were a couple of things that I think could at least caught my attention as things I like to think about. Well, it, okay. Before uh, before we move on, just in commenting on what you just said, I think the actual critical analysis like sphere of anime discussion is almost exclusively like in like YouTube uh, long format videos at this point, right? Like, that's where that community is migrated to. Yeah, but also YouTubers are shit. Well, yes. <laughs> like, they're uh, obviously. Uh, all All media personalities are shit, including us. <laughs> we are also bad. Yeah. But you know what? Nobody is paying for us. We get nothing and no one paying attention. Not only so... did you not pay for this, you didn't ask for it. Yeah. If you're hearing this, it's probably against your will. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So we have no, there is no, uh, we have no inclination uh, to be flattering. And f- I think for the most part, we never have been, have we? I mean, I've been effusive about a couple of things, but I think that's more of the... Uh, well, the uh, the impl- the horrifying implication of that statement that you just made is that if it does sound like we genuinely like something when we talk about it, then you should be taking that at face value 
which is a horrifying concept to to consider uh, with some of the things <laughs> that we've said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that being said, uh, uh, we have never been wrong. So absolutely not. One hundred percent. One hundred out of one hundred track record. Uh, we're the best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and to that point, that really is a nice uh, uh, button on this one because uh, recently the creator of Vinland Saga was talking about uh, his work and its relationship with his fans, quote-unquote fans, whatever that means in this context. Because uh, I hear a lot about Vinland Saga, but I don't hear a lot of people talk about Vinland Saga, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, people... Uh, it's it's complicated, right? Because Vinland Saga, I've been reading Vinland Saga for a long time. I love Vinland Saga. I think it is fantastic. But it does do a thing, I think, that pissed off a lot of people because the, let's say, the first uh, quote-unquote arc, uh, which is covered, let's we could say the first season of the anime, uh, which sums it up pretty succinctly, mm-hmm. is a revenge, like an action-packed revenge story, right? It oh, kind of like, some, like a some... uh, kind of like a Robert Eggers the Viking kind of thing. It is, yeah, and you could even say it's uh, if it is absolutely in that archetypal mold, uh, and it kicks ass. It's great. I mean, I really, really like it, and the manga is fantastic. I, it's the I watched the anime, and it's it's still pretty good. I think the anime is pretty good, but a lot of people are complaining now that the second season is out that they're like. Makoto Yukimura is is the author. They they're accusing him of baiting and switching because at the end of the action-packed uh revenge arc um some very very intense shit happens uh that breaks the spirit of our main character and kind of kills the part of him that makes him an action hero. Okay, I like it. And Season two, season two is not an action revenge story. It is, it has almost nothing to do with that. And people are accusing him of uh, like swapping genres from out from underneath them. Right. And I think that is a really, really interesting, but also very malicious way to like engage with something that you supposedly are really into. I think the issue that that Yukimura and and you are running into here is that um, we need to acknowledge that anime fans, by and large, uh, loathe and I do mean revile things such as character growth and uh, um, uh, uh, dare I say it, subverting your expectations. <laughs> yeah, they're really not into that very yeah, much. Yeah, um, it is. It is something interesting to consider, though, because it is a very, a very abrupt um, and hard, hard switch. Uh, though, in my opinion, it is perfectly uh, in line with the actual like core tenets of the theming and uh, the subject matter. The impetus for the entire story is uh, what does it mean to hate? What does it mean to kill? What does it mean to fight? What does it mean to have enemies? Uh, and our main character through this entire revenge story is dwelling on those things because his entire existence through this first uh, season is hate. It is focusing on killing. It is focusing on who his enemies are. And it becomes so tangled 
that when those strings all break, uh, his spirit and mind break with them. And season two is all about what what fills the holes of a person whose life was only those things. And, you know, that is that is complicated stuff. Uh, most anime uh, does not deal with themes like that. Yeah, you know no. I mean? uh, imagine that I'm your average uh, Joe anime slob. Um, yeah. <laughs> please, please try and imagine that 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 is something that I'm not usually <laughs> in my day to day, but I am right now in this scenario. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm making the mental leap. Yeah, <laughs> and you present to me everything that you just said. My first reaction is that uh, I'm angry because I wanted to see a Viking kill a guy and maybe uh, maybe a Viking anime titty. Um, but but you're telling me that that I have to use my precious brain electricity and calories to like try and decipher uh, plot and nuance and themes. And I don't like that. And I don't like you. So shut up. <laughs> you, you want my man's Thorfinn to uh, whip out those daggers again and start cutting people up. You're like every second he's not doing that. You're like, well, well I'm a wasting my time. Uh, I could be watching Vikings on whatever, what is that? Showtime? It's whatever trashy, uh, network that show appears on. <laughs> <laughs> whatever trashy ass network that fucking show shows up on <laughs> i i have sympathy for it I, I don't want to make it sound like i fucking hate these dumb shits uh i, <laughs> I gotta do but i do have sympathy <laughs> for it it's hard to pump the brakes on a story that was all about like how fucking cool and badass this dude is for doing all this shit. But I do feel like you do have to like completely ignore massive chunks of the story from season one to, to, uh, uh, come to that conclusion because, uh, I hope you don't mind me spoiling episode one, season one, but his father who he idolizes and is attempting to get revenge for this entire time, straight up says to him, makes full direct eye contact. He says to his little son, you have no enemies. That is a thesis statement from episode one, probably like 10, 15 minutes in. Huh. Uh, that is one of the most important things said in the entire series. Uh, but <laughs> these people are like, well, I want him to kill more. So when, when Yukimura says something like, uh, and the quote is like, if fans want violence, they should go watch Attack on Titan. Which, you know, uh, is some is some great side shade. I love that. I do like it a lot. Obviously, you know, he's he's joking around, but like Hey, we're all we're all buddies here. We're all in the industry, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, wink wink nudge nudge. It's all in good fun. But um also Attack on Titan and uh, and its fans can go fuck themselves. Hey, if you want to watch people like shred meat, uh, <laughs> go watch Attack on Titan. Okay, let's just call it what it is. Attack on Titan is just parkour brown shirts. <laughs> hey, I we can't. We're falling into this trap again where we're talking about Attack on Titan. And I, we have okay. no fucking All right, clue. We're not, okay, no, okay, Kaguya-sama, Attack on Titan. <laughs> <laughs> They're on the list now. <laughs> no more oh. talking about them. 
Yeah, uh, we got to stay away from that. I just thought that is a really interesting uh, conundrum there that Yukimura is is trying to deal with in that his story has evolved. And not just that, his story has evolved many times uh, in the manga, which has been running for a very long time now. And I am still a huge fan of, and it has has tackled all kinds of different themes. But one of the biggest themes uh, that has stayed consistent in its almost... God, I want to say like a decade long run is uh, the value of like pacifism and the the dangers of using violence to solve your problems. Like that is a huge, huge theme of his work. And he considers it the most important theme. And so coming at him. Sounds like woke shit. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> it's some woke <laughs> garbage. This, this blue hair Yukimura is talking yeah. bullshit. Uh, but coming at that dude in particular with the with the with the complaint that his series isn't violent enough anymore is just very funny to me, and it, and it shows uh, something that happens a lot. I think we've we've talked about it a little bit. We've pointed out every once in a while, but there that huge disconnect from what a series is trying to express and uh, what fans are taking away from it, right? <laughs> Uh, you know, name a better duo in media history. I know, right? Uh, it's, it's weird. It's a weird thing when you kind of brush up against people who don't really have any interest at all in, like, intellectually engaging with the it, stuff that they're It's consuming. always a weird interaction when you find someone in the wild who, like, uh, not only isn't interested in engaging with media in a critical way, but like has no developed ability to do it either yeah uh you know it's like those it's what's that say it's like 40 what do they say like 40 percent of people say that they don't have like a running internal voice when they think the the internal monologue yeah uh (laughs) it's like it's the people who are running around shouting about how like uh you know hey it's just a movie don't think about it too hard like it's you know movies are just escapism uh <laughs> which is the which is the elevated retort that i hear you know? i don't want to think about i don't want to th- think about politics it, i i watch movies to escape it that's just the westworld npc i know yes <laughs> doesn't look like anything to me <laughs> well okay the 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 what i've settled on at that point is that if you're engaging in media simply for um unengaged entertainment uh that's just masturbation which isn't inherently (laughs) wrong um but i'm saying it is and they are and they should feel bad about it look all i'm saying is even children watching blues clues are learning how to comprehend the world around them through their media consumption (laughs) <laughs> literally and explicitly so hey listen blues even... clues fans have astronomical levels of media <laughs> consumption skills compared to snyder fans yeah, it's just <laughs> if you can't even engage with media on the kindergarten level i just don't know how to talk to you about this stuff i don't listen, know we just how we to put talk those people in a room we sit them down we put on the <laughs> snyder cut of justice league and we leave them alone <laughs> Uh, that that does eat up like nine hours of your day. 
uh okay yeah i i i it's i really i really feel for yukimura there i think when creators have to like get into these arguments with their own fans i feel like a part of their soul must be just breaking you know yeah 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 it's sad shout out to alan moore (laughs) yeah dude (laughs) i don't care what people say about alan i'm with you i'm with the chaos wizard i'm i'm behind alan moore 100 percent i this is this is an alan moore defender podcast okay he's the world's most powerful virgin yeah (laughs) (laughs) he has a daughter okay i'll just say it uh okay let's let's move to something slightly less what, uh, what else is subjective in the news? um what what, what here's, here's something it's something uh mononoke have you ever watched mononoke the original mononoke uh not the movie not the movie <laughs> not the movie because i can really only think of the movie so i'm gonna say no okay mononoke is absolutely one of my favorite anime ever made uh, it is extraordinarily beautiful. Uh, I do know what it is. You've talked about it many times. You you listed it up there with uh, with stuff like Kaiba um, and yes and, and some other real uh, real impressive stuff. So I know you think very highly of it. Yeah, it was one of those things um, when I was starting to lose faith in anime. Uh, there's kind of a, a trio of shows that like broke my brain in a good way. In a good way. Yeah, there was lots of things pulling me down the dark path, but uh, Mononoke, uh, Gankotsuo, the the Count of Monte Cristo, hell yeah, uh, and and Kaiba uh, are the three that I watched, and they like they they gave me life. It's giving me life. They pulled These you up uh, from life. the from the dark recesses of the spiral. Yeah, when anime existed, and it was stuff like <laughs> clawing out of this hole of like. Love Hina and I might be strawberry eggs. Remember that one? Oh God! Uh, um, what was uh, it? Uh, Onigai teacher. Yes, truly, truly dark periods of anime in my life. Yes, yeah, so the uh, the Moe explosion. Uh, it kind of lines up with our with our timeline. Yeah, uh, and and it was really it was really turning me off from the entire thing. Um, but I watched, I think those three, along with, uh, you know, a handful of other stuff. There's lots of good stuff too. And I'm not going to pretend it was like only these three, but that trio really was like, it expanded the world of anime in my brain. Like, oh, right. Like good stuff exists out there. It's out there. You just have to dig like slightly deeper. Um, and you find works like Mononoke, like Genkotsu, like Kaiba that are like ferociously unique and interesting and beautiful and challenging and like you know don't treat you like a fucking idiot uh and mononoke is one of those it's well it's you know i'm looking at some stills here it's got an absolutely amazing uh color palette yes you know the the design and the patterns and the colors i'm seeing in here are how do i put it um hypnotic non-basic <laughs> uh, uh, they are they are not your average funimation uh yeah uh, work i will say uh, this isn't your grandpa's anime yeah it looks like a, an actual work of art uh uses sort of uh i would say it's reductive to say it but a sort of a, a uh like a a wood cut aesthetic combined with lots of 
um, paperwork, like uh, well, it beautiful paperwork. Tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Masaaki Yuasa's work. You know, you brought up Kaiba earlier, uh, just with the way the line work and the colors and everything. Uh, it's just, it's very multifaceted. Um, yes, it's a lot more uh, sharp corners. It's a lot more textural than Yuasa's work. Yeah, yes. It has... A, a crunch to it and it and it looks like it's printed on sort of that that like wood pulp organic paper which i love i love that look that's great yeah it, it's incredible so that but that kind of lived and died a long time ago and bizarrely out of nowhere they announced a a, a movie a, a mononoke movie dope yeah which is crazy it's one of those i i really don't know like what was behind this this idea mononoke isn't exactly something you hear a lot of people talking about these days a lot of these animation production houses these days are kind of like doing a they're doing a shotgun ip poll um I, i'm noticing a lot of stuff coming back they did that uh Yu-Gi-Oh remake they did the digimon remake um there's a new shaman king yeah yeah new shaman king coming out uh, yeah, they're restoring the first Digimon movie. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah, on the tales of the of the remade series a couple of years ago. So yeah, I'm noticing that that they're pulling a lot of these IPs, trying to do like a a, a, a remake uh, chain, a frenzy, if you will. I guess uh, so. It just seems like a very strange choice to me. I mean, I'm I'm very happy about it. I, I who, who knows how it's going to turn out, but like. Uh, I I am one of the one of the Mononoke fans out here. In fact, I remember desperately looking for like very high quality rips of Mononoke when I heard uh, basically all actual original prints of it were being pulled from like every streaming site that it existed on, um, and the newer prints were all going to be like 720. I was like, this show is way too beautiful to watch in like low res. I need to get my hands. Why on would this. they? Why would they pull the high res versions? I have no idea. I don't know. I do not know the weird distribution stuff happening behind the scenes here. That's but so bizarre. I, I know. I know that the stupidest people on earth are in charge of them. That is what I do know. Yeah. So uh, they've only really posted like one short trailer and a couple of stills, but it I, it looks it looks great. I'm very very excited. You know, we had Yuasa's new movie recently, Inuo. Uh, as something that was like truly artistically engaging and interesting, uh, that was out that it was outside of the the sort of uh, uh, Makoto Shinkai printing press uh, of anime movies yeah. we had recently. Uh-huh. Uh, he's been on a tear. Not to say I, I'm not saying. Hey, those are listen, bad. I like some I like saccharin those. pig feed as much as the next guy. Yeah, and I, I should make it very clear. I I like his work. I think he's really great. But it's nice to see things that are outside of that mold every once in a while. Yeah. You know. Well, you know, uh, Makoto Shinkai, his body of work is basically like the anime uh, equivalent of Oscar bait, right? Well, I would say he keeps remaking the Notebook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Or hey, hey, hey the you... Notebook made a bunch of uh, uh, won a bunch of awards. Let's just do the Notebook again, but uh, with more anime bullshit. Yeah, this time it'll be the Notebook, but with more time travel. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see You've Got Mail? Uh, no, I thought that was a horror movie. No, no, you're thinking of One Missed Call. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> okay. Oh, <no. laughs> okay. Anyway. All right. All right. Uh, okay. There was also there was also a new announcement. There's another announcement that I thought was kind of fun. This is less exciting, but still kind of interesting. Uh, they announced uh, an anime uh, adaptation of The Fable. Oh, are you familiar with The Fable? Yeah, dude. Fable one, two, three. Peter Molyneux. I love those games. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there is a new one coming out. Hey, do you get to do you get to see the Tree Crow finally? <laughs> I doubt it, but um, the dude from IT Crowd is in it. Uh, which one? The one that's there's not like a white. lot of people in that show. <laughs> <laughs> the the one that's there's only one guy who's not white. Richard Iowata? Yeah, Iowata is in it. Okay. <laughs> uh he plays a giant or something. I I didn't really get it. Uh so The Fable is a manga that I read recently and actually has been revived recently for a part 2, which I think is very strange. Um The Fable is a sort of like dark comedy uh, just stop me if you've heard this one. A, a dark comedy about uh, a hitman trying to uh, take a break from the life. I made some notes about it, but this is essentially uh, Gross Point Blank meets <laughs> Night in Paradise. Okay, uh, all that's, right. That's how I would describe it. Uh, oh, obviously, Gross Point Blank is centered around a, a high school reunion instead of a vacation. But uh, in Fable, we have uh, a, a legendary assassin who who is uh, taking a break from the from the life with his handler, and they're just supposed to like lay low and and like hang out. Sure. He ends up getting a job at like a, 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 a an industrial design, a small industrial design company, and he basically just runs uh, deliveries back and forth. And he's kind of like like Gross Point Blank. He doesn't really understand like how to live a life. So when he when he kind of like develops a crush, uh, he doesn't know what to do about it or what to do with those feelings. Uh, so a lot of the humor like comes from that. Uh, unlike Gross Point Blank, uh, it, it has <laughs> some extraordinary uh, violence, some really really fucked up shit that happens in between the comedy beats. Uh, <laughs> I. Well, I mean, uh, is it I like, don't um, remember uh, any any. Uh, I haven't seen Gross Point Blank in a while, but I don't remember anybody being sold into like sexual slavery at any point in that movie. So uh, I could uh, say that. Oh, whoa! You took it to a dark place. Yeah, the the fable doesn't hold back. I'll say that. Uh, but there are parts of it that I found very charming, and I thought this was kind of funny. The Gross Point Blank connection being uh, particularly funny to me. Uh, Cause I hadn't thought about that movie in a long time, and like, it's a pretty good movie. I like that movie. Well, yeah, it reminds me of. Um, are you are you familiar with the the French film The Samurai? Le Samurai. Le Samurai. Yes. Uh, about it. About a hitman. Yeah, with Alain who... René. What? With Alain René. Yes. Uh, yeah, with Alan René. God damn it. Chill. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, about a hitman who. Uh, uh, falls in love with a prostitute with a heart of gold, as you do, and and wants to get out of the life, and then things go on, uh, go wrong on his way out. But uh, uh, notably, sure. that was not a comedy. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, because no. it involves with a guy who kills people for a living. Uh, well, so does Gross Point Blank. Uh, yeah, that movie wasn't funny either. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's 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 pretty funny. I remember it being pretty funny. Like I said, I haven't seen it in a while. Do you know Night in Paradise? 
I don't. I don't know Night in Paradise. Have you ever heard of that? No. What's that? Um, Night in Paradise is a a movie by the guy who wrote I Saw the Devil, uh, and he directed, like, The Witch Part 1 and Part 2, along with a couple other stuff that are really good. Okay. Night in Paradise is sort of a a very similar thing without the comedy aspect. A too loyal uh, South Korean gangster gets an offer to betray his boss and uh, murders the guy in fury and his boss has to send him into hiding he's like hey i'm you're you're going to go take a take a vacation now okay uh and he goes and he has a hard time dealing with it until he meets this woman who's terminally ill and he develops a relationship with her because you know she's dying mm-hmm. and he spends a lot of time himself around death and so that's it's a fun well, I shouldn't say fun, but it is a it is a poignant meditation on those two things. It's really interesting character work and some really great like that kind of like Korean action violence stuff that is uh, particularly good. Yeah, this um... uh, all kind of mixed together. It's a really really good movie. This I really reminds really liked me it. of a movie with Steve Martin. Are you familiar with a film called My Blue Heaven? No, I've never heard of that. It's a Steve Martin movie. It's a it is a comedy. Um, where he plays a gangster who goes into witness relocation and, uh, you know, gets relocated to the suburbs in the middle of nowhere in the Midwest, right? And so it's it's a comedy about this uh, larger-than-life gangster personality trying to fit in 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 small-town America while while, uh, avoiding being found out by by his gangster buddies that that he ratted on. Sure, sure. Like one of the best episodes of The Simpsons. Yeah. Uh, 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 so it reminded me a little bit of that. Uh, I, I'd watch that instead. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Martin, can't go wrong. I would give The Fable a shot. I think it's pretty good. Uh, there's a very funny running gag where his handler is uh, a, a woman who likes to uh, out drink guys who flirt with her at the bar. And mm-hmm. then, like, uh, watch them as they get violently sick uh, from alcohol poisoning. Uh, it's it's a good run of gag. I mean, that is pretty funny. That's a yeah, good joke. It's funny and it's good. You know, they every they see this like cute younger looking girl, and they're like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna get her really drunk and take her home." And she's like, "Oh yeah, uh, okay, let's do it." Uh, it's very good. I I like that gag a lot. Uh, I think he's an interesting character, even though they play it very much like. Oh, he's a guy who doesn't have a lot of personality. Generally, you would play this character like a little bit more malicious, but I find him to be uh, f- fairly charming for what he ends up being. I, I think there's there is something in it that I, I think is good. It- it's worth at least taking a look at. Uh, maybe watch episode one when the anime comes out. <clears throat> All right. Well, yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah. Okay, I, I see what's next on your list here. I want to skip yeah. one. Uh, because I do actually have interest in finding out what's going on here. They're taking the gay out of the gay Gundam show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was an interesting thing. People have been talking about this for a little while, so you might have already heard about it. Uh, if you, <laughs> I don't know, actually pay attention to any of this shit, which I don't know why you would. But uh, the uh, extraordinarily successful gay Gundam show... <laughs> Uh, has caused quite a controversy by attempting to retcon the gayness, which is one of the most bafflingly stupid decisions anyone could possibly make, which makes it the most obvious 
uh, decision any any anime producer would actually end up trying to do. I don't. I just don't get what the decision behind that is. So, of uh, just like most gay baiting shows, um, the two main characters of uh, Gundam Witch for Mercury never actually seem to, you know, explicitly do any what you what you would say gay stuff with each other on screen i suppose I'm well not you don't sure have to go to like gay stuff it's just uh, they are not explicitly romantic with each other uh, well they do lots of stuff and they come close to being explicitly romantic with each other uh to the point where it's almost it's it's ludicrous to imply that they are not romantic with each other well the people who aren't familiar with with the plot of uh witch from mercury it's basically um revolutionary Ural utana but in space with gundams you know uh, you kind of i guess basically i mean you cannot deny that that is like a huge huge influence on the entire like the very basic premise of the show well it is it is certainly an influential part of most yuri in the modern era yes you know, essentially, our main character uh, goes to a special Gundam school where she learns she how to, to fight Gundam with High. robots. <laughs> yeah, Gundam High School uh, learns how to fight with robots, and uh, whoever is the best robot fighter at the school gets to marry the headmaster's daughter or whatever. <laughs> it's uh, a local politician's daughter, essentially. Yeah. Uh, oh, one of oh, the most that makes baffling. It, uh, that removes the conflict of interest. Thank God. Yeah. It's one of the most baffling setups, I have to say, to anything. Also, the scoreboard—it's like a running scoreboard. So, like, I don't know. Hold on, I, spot... you say baffling setup, but I think that this is literally uh, more believable than the Gundam series, where they decide to uh, settle all global political conflict with robot wrestling. Hey, that's that's probably going to happen. <laughs> that seems likely. <laughs> <laughs> that actually seems like it'll happen. Oh man, we're so close to so, President Camacho. <laughs> uh, oh god, don't don't make. I have a whole thing about that movie. Don't don't get me. I know, me. I know what you think about uh, that movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Welcome to Costco. I love you. Is one of the funniest things written in any movie ever, though. I will say that. <laughs> uh, so, the show makes it pretty clear without ever explicitly you know confirming that they're like actually romantically even though they talk about marrying each other all the time you're supposed to just infer it i guess but a recent uh interview i believe with one of the voice actors uh who quote unquote uh, slipped up and said like oh yeah they're totally like in love and romantically interested in each other the producers of the show uh, tried to go in and say, hey, that interview, that's not canon to the show. What what the actor said, that's not real. P pretend she didn't say that. Uh, that didn't happen, uh, which is a uh, massive cope from some fucking money guys behind the scene. Uh, yeah. I think I think who is who who owns Gundam right now? Uh, Bandai. Always been yeah. Bandai. Is it Bondi? Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. That's that is some like suit at Bondi, like freaking out and making uh, an absolutely own goal decision. <laughs> uh, the show is so extraordinarily popular, not in spite of, but because of that romantic relationship at the heart of the show. Wait, that it, this uh, you could 
there is literally most of the time when they make these like ridiculously homophobic decisions, right? There mm-hmm. is some kind of like plausible deniability, you know, not to anyone who can read between the lines, uh, but but to a I don't know a, a general audience who's glancing at it from the side. But this is purely cope from an explicitly uh, homophobic position that is anti-profit. It's uh, I don't think that you can even uh, you you don't even have to classify it as cope. It's just uh, out and out bigotry, right? At this point, they are saying like, "Oh yeah, no, uh, we don't want the gay association." Yeah. They're not implying it; they're just saying that. It's it's. <laughs> we don't know if gays watch Gundam, and frankly, we don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. It's so baffling. Well, okay, imagine some, like, hand-wringing American producer, like, floating the idea of a non-gay edit of, uh, I don't know, like, Brokeback Mountain or something. I was thinking more... Hey, we're we're losing the cowboy demographic. Uh Uh-oh, the guys (laughs) who ride horses aren't gonna like this. (laughs) No, I was thinking more of the uh, Faith-Buffy connection. When, like, the Faith and Buffy uh, in the show, you know, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I think you're familiar. Uh, oh, it was pretty big. Oh, I think that I'm uh, more than familiar. I wish I was less <laughs> familiar. Everybody really loved the spinoff Angel, too, I have to say. <laughs> People really love that show. Uh, the Faith Buffy, I, I hate to say this, but the Faith Buffy ship was always played as the most, like, ridiculous gay-baiting shit because, you know, Buffy is supposed to be into Spike or Angel. That was, like, the main, uh, you know, hetero relationship in that show was the the love triangle there. And then Faith was just, like, you know, picking at the edges of, like, oh, isn't it, like, isn't it so transgressive of us to have, like, a girl flirting with another girl? Uh, uh, yeah, the show... well, the, it's the horny male nerd like version of of gay acceptance, right? You know, it's like yeah. I like you know I'm I'm cool with lesbians because I like watching them and I like yeah. watching them uh, do stuff in my cartoons. Yes, it's very nineties. Yeah. It is a very nineties thing. Uh, the whole like two chicks, yell yeah, brother. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I I'm gonna pull that need... clip. <laughs> <laughs> I say it like twice a day. I don't think you need to pull it. Uh, it's just in in the year of our Lord, 2023, it is a truly baffling thing uh, to deal with. Um, you know, I guess this is an explicitly Western p- point of view. I think, you know, uh, though we are, we do seem to be moving backwards on a lot of this ground, which just sucks shit. But uh, this one just felt uh, particularly egregious uh, because of the context, because of the massive success, because of the fan base. And I will say, you know, going back and reading a lot of the old Gundam stuff, which I have done recently, and not not just the content, but the the. Uh, interviews with the creators and like con- cultural context around original Gundam uh, and talking a lot about how Gundam originally was for like horny teen girls. Like it was straight up like 
uh, <laughs> sexy by shoujo men uh, with like long hair and like <laughs> sharp eyes, as they say. Uh, uh, well, sure, yeah, being I mean, sexy with each other. When you point it out like that, that's totally obvious. You know, I feel like he, first of all, can we acknowledge that uh, stuff, uh, things, you know, objects <laughs> of media content. Uh, can (laughs) be more than one thing at the same time. Uh, And in that sense, uh, Gundam can be like, like a horny shoujo or be shoujo, uh, like pretty boy baiting and like a, a Neo take on uh, militaristic imperialism. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not saying Gundam, we can reduce Gundam down to that, but I will say uh, people don't like to admit this, but Hero from Gundam Wing is Edward from Twilight. Uh, Yeah, no, I see it. Total, yeah. total agree. Um, He's exactly that dude. All the way down to like, I'm too dangerous. I should just die. Okay, I'm going to insert this here. Uh, Edward from Twilight and, and you know, in this case, a hero from Gundam Wing are Zack Snyder's ideal male figure. <laughs> <laughs> they are the classic he, stoic. He doesn't, he doesn't realize how incredibly gay Ayn Rand's uh, body of work actually is. Uh, like, John Galt is... Uh, he is an incredibly gay character. Okay, with that said, I'm glad you brought that up because um, uh, Atlas Shrugged and and what was the other one? Fuck, what was the other one? I don't remember. I I was about to say The Watchtower, but that's the... uh, I think uh, that's something else. Yeah, that's something else. (laughs) But like Gundam, those are also like sexy B-shoujo pretty boy like baiting stories. There is like a lot of like big burly hairy chested sweaty men talking about how like uh the other company of men uh, <laughs> is like what what makes them feel alive uh yeah it's hard to ignore once you see it well it, it fits into that uh, manga and anime mentality we've talked about before that uh uh chicks is gay man yeah there's nothing gayer than a heterosexual relationship okay it's true <laughs> It's so hey, gay. Hey, the it's Spartans knew it. <laughs> 300, baby. <laughs> Zack uh, Snyder is in there again. I mean, it's so, it's it's hacky at this point to, to talk about 300 in that light, that it is just extraordinarily ripped, oiled up men, like rubbing up against each other for an hour and a half and just like gassing each other up. But, uh, you know, it, it's true. It, it is true. It's, you can't ignore it. I mean, okay. I, do, I do like the... There is, like, a running joke I've noticed in, in a lot of manga and anime that bodybuilding and, like, being hyper-focused on, on muscles um, is, like, uh, never straight, asexual at best, and almost always lampshaded as gay. Yeah, though, again... That kind of crumbs across as cope. It is, uh, but yeah. I, I I found that funny. I just I like the I like rolling with the concept that muscles are gay, man. <laughs> Being a big muscle guy, that's gay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that makes it okay for me, a straight guy, to be like flabby. Yeah, yeah. You know the dad. That's the whole dad bod phenomenon, isn't it? Are we just and gonna add that to the, the heart cope of pile it? too? 
uh, dad bod doesn't exist. You're actually just gross. I'm not saying nobody's attracted to dad bod, but I think people who like try to talk it up as like an excuse, like not to work on their own. Oh, sure. But yeah, no, the people that are are really touting it, like there's some cope there. There's some cope there for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's, let's talk this last one. Uh, Fujimoto. Love that guy. Chainsaw man. Love this dude. He was talking. He gave uh, an interview, and he talked about a couple different things. He talked about uh, Oshinoko creator, uh, Kaguya-sama creator, Aka Akasaka taking a break due to health issues. Um, and talking about how uh, I think, you know, I, I speculated here, but I think because of those health issues, decided to leave most of the art to somebody else for Oshinoko and um love agency which is his other work right now i don't know if you ever read love agency no no uh, i haven't I haven't checked it out yet he's uh he's writing that on the side so if you hate oshinoko the you can get your akasaka fix over there i guess i don't hate oshinoko but uh i do kind of <laughs> if that makes sense um i hate it for for being not as interesting as it promised that it it would be with the premise I'll I'll quickly go back and re-listen to what we talked about it and t- see if you hate it or not. <laughs> okay, pausing, listening now. Damn, dude, you fucking hated that shit. What are you talking about? It's true. I did really hate Oshinoko, but I I was yeah, I was emotionally raw. They betrayed me. I got a rug pull. You know the feeling. Yeah, it was an emotional thing. Oh, and uh, I did go back and when I was listening to it, uh, d- uh, we uh, we did skate over it. He is explicitly a gynecologist. Yes, I know. That's what I said. I no, I said that I think he was a, a general doctor, but he is explicitly a gynecologist. Yeah, it's gross. Which is really weird. Now, another really gross, weird thing is uh, in the 90s, there was a SNL sketch called... Uh, Mel Gibson, male gynecologist. Uh, and the joke was that Mel Gibson was really sexy in the 90s and women would want him to be their gynecologist. Because the natural state is you you don't want generally a guy to be your gynecologist. Or that, like, somehow you would be horny at the doctor's office. Uh, yeah. Just want to point out that uh, SNL sketches, they don't age well. Just, uh, 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 like Mel Gibson's public image, they don't age well. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say he was a piece of shit back then, too. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Uh, a fucking alcoholic shitbag from Australia uh, yeah. uh, was a piece of shit? Yeah, I, 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 don't think it, <laughs> I don't think I'm going super far out on that limb, but, uh, you know, I'll say it. I'll say it. I'm brave. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, Fujimoto was giving this interview, and he talked about a couple of different things. I thought that was an interesting part because he does talk about how, uh, in a self-deprecating way, he would like to just write stories, and, and uh, he feels like uh, he's, he, he shouldn't do the art for his own stories because he thinks somebody could do it better. I personally disagree. We've talked between each other about uh, how evocative his art is. I think he does a really great job portraying something unique in the manga space. A lot of manga, for good or bad, looks the same. Well, yes. I, you know, We've talked about it before. Like you said, his particular style is so evocative of the uh, emotions that he's trying to portray in his works. You know, I don't 
I haven't read stuff like uh, Goodbye Airy or oh I've started Goodbye Airy. Uh, I haven't read his short story collections. I have read Fire Punch. I keep up with Chainsaw Man. You haven't read Look Back. Haven't read Look Back, but you know his, his tone and his pacing is very. Um, how could I? You know, for lack of a better word, it's like it's punk rock. You know, it's sketchy. It's uh, vibrationy. Um, lots of motion. <laughs> lots of implied yeah. uh, action. If you, if you look at it, especially in the later stuff that he's doing, which, you know, you've got to catch up on uh, eventually. It, these, like, a lot of the manga panels could basically be, like, storyboards for Looney Tune cartoons, right? He's going full, uh, full anti-realism at this point. Sure, sure. Which I'm loving. And his style is loosening up the more he does that. Um, and you can tell where he's getting more comfortable with the way he draws things and he's simplifying his designs not for, or not just for convenience, but to increase the physical impact of their emotions on the page. Well, you could see, like I watched this, this clip, uh, recently of, uh, older author, uh, a manga artist, drawing uh caricatures using like four lines four brush strokes and it was like you know a true master can do stuff like that and i feel like i've been reading uh stuff by uh tsutomu nihei 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 fuck nihei god damn it nihei yeah uh the author of blame uh and their work as uh, you can see the progression uh blame is very very uh dense and as their work ages without losing any of the uh, evocative stuff or, or the density of like visual uh, information it has become so, so sparse to the point where most of his manga pages are like blindingly white with a couple of sketched lines on them, but they're beautiful. And I would say at the same time, uh, Gege Akutami, who does Jujutsu Kaisen, if you follow from you know the chapter one to the current chapters, you could see they their sketchy style has become more and more abstract, but also more and more like evocative and unique and interesting. Uh, you could say you know maybe these are people who are getting used to working on a tight schedule, but you could also see these are people becoming more and more comfortable with uh, their ability to express without having to do as much right yes well okay that is i mean that is the core of animation at least right is yeah is i think so. reducing design clutter uh while increasing the range of of motion that we see yeah uh, and uh, yeah and like you said i think fujimoto is absolutely at that stage where like if you go back and look at uh like the earlier Chainsaw Man stuff where I, I think he was really trying to do more of a very specific shonen manga look to it. And all the way up till now, you can see how much of that like typical shonen look has been shed but uh, <laughs> in between those two points. Yeah. Uh, and f- for the better, in my opinion, for the better. 
So I, I, I would hope he doesn't stop drawing because I think his drawings are fantastic. You know, on the other hand, I do understand the impulse of, uh, man, I'm jealous of that guy uh, getting a vacation because he's in the hospital from, from <laughs> overwork. Yeah, I, you know, it really makes me nervous, though, because honestly, like, uh, they, <laughs> I hate to sound callous. Uh, but these dudes are dropping like flies, dog. Have you seen this shit? I do. Well, I mean, you know, you have uh, part of the issue, and this has been talked about to death by smarter people than us, but you have this <laughs> glorification of of the long hours like process. And this isn't just in the manga industry in Japan. This is kind of like endemic to all creative arts where the return on investment of trying to make something creative your career um, is so small and the margins are so razor thin when you're doing well that it becomes kind of like a badge of honor to overwork yourself for the sake of your art. And so you hear stories of guys like uh, Oda from One Piece who spend uh, 11 hours of di- 11 hours a day drawing One Piece and then he spends one hour with his family at night and then uh, goes to bed at two in the morning uh, and sleeps for three hours and then gets up and does that over again. And that's just like yeah. his life uh, in order to put out one piece. Yeah, which is the the life of a, a 50s American businessman, except instead of drawing one piece for 11 hours, he's like getting drunk and going to steakhouses. And cheating on his wife. And cheating on his wife with like, yeah. weird poets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's it's more like the lifestyle of the uh, quote unquote all American novelist from the turn of the century or from the mid century. Right. Like the 50s. Uh, the uh, the guy that, that wants to be the next Kerouac. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Except like guys like Kerouac were just like fucking around and getting high and drunk all the time. Uh, and, from, you know, I don't know Oda's life very well, but he doesn't seem like that kind of guy. <laughs> uh, no, no. It sounds like he would be, uh, rather be uh, drawing One Piece than doing literally anything else in his life. It uh, kind of does seem like that. Including, like, being with his family, who he's yeah. just kind of, like, uh, resigned to having uh, uh, <laughs> as opposed to engaging with in a relationship. Yeah, just like r- really quick, I saw a news story that was like uh, Oda's father watched the new movie and said it really moved him as if that was like a big accomplishment. Like this dude's dad has never said anything good about his work. That's uh, crazy to me. I don't know. I hope I'm I hope I'm just making a weird leap, uh, but that's fucking fan. That's that's weird. Uh, that's sad to me. Well, I mean, you say that, but then look at uh, uh, Hayao Miyazaki's uh, public relationship with his son uh, and his son's movies. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's some fucked up shit. It's just very strange to think that even like 100, 150 years ago, the 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 absolute cliche of the artist was the drunken layabout uh, who devoted all their all their like, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, their earthly impetus to dwelling on on the philosophical issues uh, that would generate the muse. Right. And that was like, oh, these artists, they're just, they don't do shit. They don't do anything. And now you have people talking about, like, their YouTube career. And they're like, if you don't make a video a week, 
uh, you disappear and you go bankrupt and you lose your house. Well, I mean, what you have to consider is that a lot of times those artists uh, were like uh, just independently wealthy and therefore yes. had the yeah, freedom to to be uh, laudanum addicts discussing yes, philosophy yes, and uh, sitting around in their in their chaise lounge all day. <laughs> I know. Not everyone was Lord Byron status. I know. And, and you know, so a lot of the guys had patrons and stuff. But uh, but it is strange, that shift, you know, uh, and it makes me feel bad. It really makes me feel bad that, like, this is where we're at with stuff. Mm-hmm. It's bad. It's also one of the reasons I've talked to before, but, like, one of the reasons I really do not like uh, Webtoon is because it has established itself on the business side as essentially a fucking gladiator pit for artists you know uh the people who've worked for webtoon talk constantly about how uh they webtoon encourages them to spend you know 23 hours a day putting out content because if they don't they will uh deprioritize their their comic and they'll lose their entire income uh which is insanely sick that's that's pervert shit that's well, I mean, up. that's again. Uh, Webtoon um, is evil. That's not exclusive to Webtoon. That is just the state of of any modern creative or content creator, whatever you want to call it. Like that's just trying. That's just being a self publisher in 2023. Uh, yeah, all well, of like, these sites do that. You know. Yes. Um, I think for the specific format of comics, it can be particularly insidious because. You, you have this in this pre-existing industry of web comics right outside of webtoon yeah. independent web comics that have been going on uh since the 90s um that have been maintaining either a uh daily or or try or bi-weekly schedule for like 15 years at this point so it's become kind of like the expected standard uh because that is what you had to do as an independent webcomic artist back then. Uh, and it's still what you have to do now, but uh, for some reason, Webtoon has decided that they want a cut of it. Yeah, the thing is, like every fucking thing in the entire world, uh, the, the, the fucking... <laughs> now we're getting into some real worker and parasite territory. But yeah. The fucking... Hey, this is the new section, worker and parasite. Yeah, the fucking leech middlemen uh, have uh, truly dom they have won they won every single industry uh and webtoon is just that the thing about those guys yes the mega tokyos or the the hark of vagrant or uh who else was good uh i mean mega tokyo was not good but mega tokyo uh, was not uh, good i was confused why VG you're putting cats. it uh, next to kate beaton who is actually like funny yes. and, a, and a smart person kate beaton is good and funny mega tokyo is not good <laughs> the, you know these 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 comics that you're th- uh, you're thinking uh, you're thinking of some real like control alt delete tier stuff oh boy well, yeah we, remember that yeah i Unfortunately, I do. Uh, uh, I was trying to come up with good ones, but uh, it has. Been I mean, a while. I want to make fun of Pe- uh, Penny Arcade, but they're like billionaires now or something, so they may send their goons yeah. after us. They're like Rooster Teeth in that uh, those two guys like actually established a massive media brand, which is, uh, you know, I guess get that paper, I suppose. You know, fair play to them. Um, yeah, they own several charities uh, and foundations and I don't. So yeah, uh, I guess they have that up on me. Well, 
yeah, I mean, a lot of webcomic people uh, do not have houses, and they do. So yeah. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, who who wins at the end of the day? But, but you know, those people, as, as hard as it was, they were in control, right? They were running their own websites, and yeah. the only middlemen there were basically, like, Web hosting services. Yeah, web hosting services, the domain managers, right? Yeah. And now Webtoon is the one that says, if you don't come to us, you don't get our audience, you won't get eyeballs. And it's fucked up. And I think this leads gr- uh, really nicely into the other point that Fujimoto was making in that in that uh, interview, in that he was talking, he was speaking about uh, Miyazaki's last movie and Miyazaki, you know, finishing his, his career, which is this the third time? Third or fourth, it means nothing at this point because uh, he's either going to die or he's going to make another movie. (laughs) I mean, I prefer one to the other, I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) You can guess which, uh, dear listener. Well, hey, you know what? Clint Eastwood's still making movies at this point. You see how that went out. So maybe he should should gracefully bow out at this point. You know, Miyazaki has never gotten up on stage and yelled at an empty chair. Uh, He did tell those poor 3D artists that they were an abomination against nature. (laughs) Yeah, but he was correct. He was correct. (laughs) He's correct in that instance. Uh, He's talking about how people like uh, Miyazaki are basically disappearing from his his industry and and the the artistic uh, scene, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it ties a lot into this where uh, people, you cannot be a successful mangaka. Ugh, it feels bad coming out of my mouth. I know that's like a thing, but it feels bad coming out. Uh, you can't be a successful person in that artist space without just having that as your entire life, you know? Yeah. And the way that creates insularity in the creator community there and the way that it points, it means all eyeballs are pointing inwards and no one is out in the world absorbing like real life. You know, I, I say real life in quotes, uh, uh, extracurricular activities. I don't know. Uh, non-artistic pursuits. Uh, uh, anything that gives people like. You know, I think the kids like, call it touching grass these days. I guess touching, yeah, touching grass. None of these people touch grass anymore. And how that actually makes them, in the long run, poorer artists because their influences dwindle down to just other pieces of art that they like, you know? And, uh, you know, everybody, every artist ever has taken inspiration from artists that they like, uh, art pieces of art that they like. But if that's the only thing you ever bring to your own art, it does start to appear like what we see in a lot of these scenes where it's just endless self-referential incestuous uh, artistry scenes, right? Oh man, you're not going to like what I'm about to say, but uh, everything that you just said is kind of like a major theme and character motivation for uh, the greater part of of Nagatoro at this point. Uh, and it's like a a a constant thing that the main character is touching back on because he wants to be an artist uh and so he he's decided that the current arc is he's trying to apply for art college and is now interacting with like all of these other would-be manga artists and and other types of of painters and whatnot uh that he that he hasn't 
like talked to before because he was the art guy at his school yeah and so now he's like interacting with the community at large and he's like kind of realizing like oh wow uh uh, everybody here is is exactly like I was at the start of the comic, but but in a really worse way. Uh, you are still reading Nagatoro, huh? <laughs> uh, well, let's not let's not hang uh, on that fact too long. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, all right. Well, we don't have to dwell on that. Uh, I guess that I. I like the sentiment. Listen, it's for research purposes. <laughs> sure, yeah, okay. I mean, I I suppose I can't I I can't say I don't like that the thrust of that uh sentiment or that arc or whatever. <laughs> I I I think that that is an interesting perspective at least. I guess I I, I appreciate that they're thinking about those things, I suppose. Oh, I don't. What conclusions are they drawing? I have no idea. Well, you know, uh, we're just we're just starting to get into that into that uh, arc of the story, where we're early on, but it's touching on those themes. And so, what if what if what if he comes to the conclusion that actually that's good? That's a good thing. <laughs> well, uh, it, it could very well turn that way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll be around to see it. Oh God. <laughs> Okay. Hey, listen. Uh, you should be you should be uh, praising my honesty uh, in these discussions. I expect you to bring the level of honesty that I'm bringing. Okay, that's that's where I'm at. Okay. Uh, let's, okay. Let's take a break and then yeah, real quick yeah, we can right. go over some stuff that I really wish I could lie about about watching. <laughs> I have to hold you to it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right, people, you may remember me berating Nate for not following up on his his uh, punishment game. Uh, I did not fulfill my, my end of the contract last episode, but uh, I've come back to you today, a penitent man. Uh, I have watched some, some horrible anime. It turns out that uh, public shaming does work. It does work, people. So keep that in mind for your own for your own sakes. <laughs> Nate, have you watched any Fate? Yes, I did, Remy. I watched the first three episodes of Fate Zero, and I would like my time back, please. <laughs> Not as much as I would like, but uh, for for any for this part, I guess we can we can make do. Now, I I did say uh, this is my favorite fate series <laughs> this is the best one yeah it's a concerning that you say that 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 is like a thought that crosses your mind at all <laughs> it is the best one i'm sorry you know if you stick with it you might come to the same conclusion i don't know i can't read your mind but uh you have gone for the three episodes so right off the bat why don't you just remind me what the first three episodes uh contain so it's it's more or less uh just set up a preamble for the for the rest of the series i'm assuming but for those unfamiliar the fate series is started off as a series of light novels i think uh with the fate stay night books and then fate zero or no, they were actually they were visual novel games. Fate Stay Night was a visual novel. Yeah, um, they're they're visual novels. Yeah, 
that got adapted into light novels and sequels and animes and and all of that. Fate Zero. Gotcha is games. The, yeah. Oh, the gotcha games. Oh, the gotcha games. Uh, I such gotchas to show you so fate zero is the prequel to fate stay night the visual novels and it is apparently set up for the multiple starting and endpoint uh, storylines in those games so this is kind of supposed to be like the unifying prequel to the whole thing uh yeah uh, it's 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 that's which up. it fails at right out the gate because um all of the character names and and concepts and rituals and and the entire like system of magic they use for the show uh they just talk right over your head uh, about the whole thing <laughs> uh i i was legit wondering if i had started at the wrong point in the series because i still don't know really what's going on i have a vague idea Um, well i will say it is meant to be uh you know the it's not an entry point so much as a a little treat uh for people who are fans of the series on the other hand uh it does not matter how much fate you haven't consumed uh none of it will ever make sense so i would put that to the side all right noted yeah um so basically every uh, X number of years uh, in this world that explicitly has magic uh, and and wizards and and spells and all of that are are real yeah uh, not even like in a secret society way that most anime does it's just a part of life yeah yes um and and every X number of years, uh, the cosmic powers that be uh, determine that there's going to be a new contest, um, a fight for the Holy Grail. Holy Grail War. Hey, a Holy Grail War. Everybody knows what a Holy Grail War is. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. You know, you fight, you get together, uh, winner gets Holy Grail. Yeah. Holy Grail War. Which is, I just have to say, the Holy Grail War, it's a death game. Oh no, you're right. Oh, you tricked me. You tricked it's me a into death a death game. game. That's right. You jigsawed me, you motherfucker. You're in a death game. <laughs> You've ended up in a death game. What's ah, up? Ah, shit. Okay. We're back in it. Hell yeah. Uh, so it's a death game to see who who's the last uh, person standing to claim the Holy Grail. And the catch is the seven champions um, get to summon... Uh, historical figures from across time to be what uh, are basically uh, Jojo stands, but dumb. Yeah, kind of. Well, here's so they you call them champions, but they are explicitly called masters, which is like, oh, boy. Uh, and the summons are called uh, heroic. Yes, yeah, they they explicitly they're called heroic spirits. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Even though one of the one of the characters early on in the first episode says like, "Oh hey, I'm going to summon this heroic spirit to be my slave." Yes, <laughs> it's, people are pretty fucked up about it. And you know what? The honesty is refreshing. I I have to say. Yeah. So so we get introduced to these uh, shotgun array of characters, uh, introducing all of these champions who are summoning their heroic spirits uh, in anticipation of the upcoming death game for the grail yes um and so the first three episodes 
you know, the first episode is I'm actually calling the first two episodes because it was a 45 minute, you know, two parter. And and then wow. and then the the third one uh, is is basically um, the jumping off point after all of the heroic spirits have have made their entrance uh, or implied to have made their entrance. We don't see everybody right away. But we do set up the characters, so I'm trying to remember who we have at the top of my head. Uh, we have, like, some kind of Eastern uh, European royalty dude. I think he, he just he has a daughter. Uh, he's a daughter guy. <laughs> uh, and we have a magical racist Harry Potter. Um, who is the standout character for me. He is, um, also, I have to say, uh, there are only two important characters, and he's one of them. Okay, all right, noted. Well, his whole thing is that his introduction is he's in Harry Potter school, and uh, he he submits a fucking thesis paper to his homeroom teacher or something. I don't know how publishing works in this... It is. He writes he he writes a personal essay that's like eugenics is bad and yeah. everyone in the classroom laughs at him so hard he becomes a magic school shooter. Yeah. <laughs> that's so crazy. That's I mean that's uh the summary I was kind of building towards. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I the, like the, him. The teacher uh <laughs> makes fun of his his paper about how magical ge- magical eugenics is bad and it's yeah. like actually Actually, racism is the one true good way. Uh, make <laughs> note of so that funny. class and laugh at this man. Yes, it's so insane. <laughs> and, and he's not even portrayed as the good guy in this scenario. Uh, no, even- no, again, because he explicitly becomes a school shooter in response yeah. to this. I have to say, I like him. I do like <laughs> him. And I, I know where he ends up. And so, like, uh, he doesn't become important again until like weird parts of the lore later on. But I will say he ends up as a cool dude, and I, I like him very much. And I really like his arc in this in this show. I well, think he's he's also the lore nerd that introduces us to the uh, the rules of the game, right? Yes, um, right, right. Because part of his school shooting plan is to uh, intentionally insert himself as as one of these champions. He he has esoteric knowledge of the of the summoning ritual, and so that grants him uh, the. He's basically like the dark horse in the competition because everyone else is kind of like from these established, like long-standing wizard families, basically. Yeah, they're all geared up to like do this thing as like part of part of their life's work and he's just some nerd that's like i'm gonna rules lawyer my way into the side of this thing yeah exactly which is great i love him i kind of love him part of that is that he's like kind of incompetent at doing that too yeah because he tries to summon uh one of the heroes that's already been bound to another character and so yeah. he he gets uh one that he wasn't expecting yeah and there's some comedy in there you know, I I like the joke that that his guy, who I can't remember which historical figure he was supposed to be. It's supposed to be a kind of a surprise, but I could. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, tell me. It it's Alexander the Great. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. So that makes sense. Uh, and he constantly calls his master like a big pussy. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of the jokes that I saw. The other one that I really thought was funny was he, the first thing he does is open up a history book. And he's like, oh, wow, the world is so much smaller than I thought it was. 
Uh, yeah, which is yeah. a joke right out of um, the What We Do in the Shadows TV show. Yeah, yeah. I really like that, too. You know, so that kid is like, okay, uh, again, I'm not uh, being an American. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I I do have weird feelings about the whole uh, taking revenge on your class angle, um, which maybe has different connotations. Yes, it's, in it's Japanese not great. Media. It's not great, but at the same time, he's taking revenge on them because they're all eugenicists. Uh, yeah, I guess do do a school shooting on racists. <laughs> look, I'm, no, don't do that. Explicitly, do not do that. <laughs> it's hard to say. I'm I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying no. <laughs> uh, oh, Jesus. Does he explain? I think he also explains very early on. One of the weirdest parts of the Holy Grail War in that the person who summons uh, Saber, they all have different classes. Well, the, yeah, okay, the that's, that kind of draws into another point I was going to make later about yeah. uh, how this is the most generic-ass Final Fantasy magic system like uh, in in all of these things. So yes. it, it really does not fit the theme of kind of like, uh, I don't, I don't want to say it like, like this but game of thrones s like backstabbing <laughs> political like maneuvering it's pretty goofy but uh yeah each one of the masters summons a different class of of hero the berserker the the assassin the, the saber assassin, uh, yes, the archer the caster the archer and the saber but i, I think he explains it uh, the saber almost always wins so it's like at the beginning of the game the guy who summons saber like is basically the winner which yeah. is bizarre well okay and so uh saber is also always filled uh by the role of um king arthur right sexy king arthur sometimes well, okay sometimes, well no not I, they, always. they act a little okay they tried to act like it was a big twist to the audience or whatever it's like yeah. hey you weren't expecting that uh king arthur was actually a girl yeah it's it, uh, because when when she's summoned she like explains very awkwardly to the camera it's like oh yeah i faked my gender my entire life yeah, which is a whole bag of worms that uh, I'm I not know. sure they were prepared to unpack. Yeah, and also that's bullshit. Like it doesn't. Nobody else pretends like that's what happened. Like it's just a weird thing they went for in this one. And also, it's not a surprise that she's King Arthur because we already knew that from the visual novels yeah. that this is a prequel to. So yes. completely bizarre choice. Weird, weird angle. Like the first thing she says after being summoned is like, "You weren't expecting me to be a girl, huh? <laughs> you weren't expecting they'd send a girl." <laughs> uh, also, she does say, "I think you, you, they're not supposed to tell who they are. Like they're yeah. not supposed to find out who they actually are." Uh, but but she also says right away. So yeah, they all she, break. She's that breaking rule rules right out the gate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody cares about the rules. That's also one of the things I kind of like about it is that they establish all these supposed to be like huge mythological rules to this crazy thing. And then every single time uh, one of those things come in conflict with the story, they're like, oh, yeah, that's actually stupid. Let's ignore that, uh, which I like. I like yeah. that aspect. <laughs> so, you know, some of the other who else did they introduce? They introduced the murderer kid. Who just straight up says like, "Hey, uh, this is my name, and my hobbies are murder and death." Yeah, and his summon is like dope. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm super talk, talk about a talk about a good pairing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So he got introduced as Bluebeard. I'm not sure who he's supposed to be. I'm a. I'm assuming Jack the Ripper, unless unless Bluebeard is a is a historical figure I'm unfamiliar with. Uh, no, Jack the Ripper is actually in the most recent Fate <laughs> incarnation. He's just been summoned, uh, which is very funny. But yeah, he's like a, a demon who likes to eat kids. Uh, that's how they introduce his character. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, very strange. There's there's lots of uh, shock violence uh, packed into these these first couple episodes. You know, between that and like there's a like a, a Japanese sorcerer uh, family. I guess they they have a big stake in it that has some rather unpleasant implications featuring a worm pit. Uh, yeah, they're the bad guy family. Yeah, they're the bad guy family, and so you have a character who is. Um, you know, an exile from them who has gone back in order to uh, spare one of his younger family members. Um, so he, you know, you know, let her go and, and I'll be your champion kind of deal. Yeah. And man, are they evil. You know, if they wanted me to be grossed out and hate some characters, they did a good job. Oh, yeah. It's very effective. Who else? I think that's everyone that I remember uh, seeing uh, so far. And and they've introduced, like I said, Bluebeard and Alexander and King Arthur. And I think we're still right. waiting to to see who the other historical figures that show up are. Right. And a big part of the game as well is like all of this subterfuge where like you're trying to pretend like you aren't part of the game or uh, completely hide yourself away so people can't just fucking snipe your ass. Yeah. Uh, you're basically you've dropped in and you're playing a huge game of Fortnite. Uh, that's a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah. So with that in mind, to round out uh, our discussion here, I wanted to bring back uh, something from the earlier episodes that we haven't touched on in a while, and that is the uh, list of anime crimes. Uh, yeah. And I want yeah. to see how many we can tick off here <laughs> uh, just sure. for the first three episodes or so. Yeah, see, that my, my, my initial hesitance was that I commit so many more crimes as you go along. But I'm, I'm willing to go along with that three-episode cone of shame for sure. Yeah, uh, I think if it's, a good, I think it's a good slice of what to expect uh, sure, going forward. Sure. Um, yeah. So right off the bait, or uh, right off the bait, right off the gate. Right off uh, that bait. Yeah, uh, it's horny. Uh, you knew it was going to be, uh, and it is. Uh, it almost goes without saying that that, that is a core aspect uh, baked <laughs> into there. Uh, the same with uh, uh, sexual assault as a character motivation. Um, I'm assuming oh, yeah. that uh, they're not going to limit it to one character, which is unfortunate. Uh, it is not an isekai, so it has that going for it. That's good. That's good. I don't know. Do you count the the hand marks that they all get to denote that they're part of the death game uh, as cosmetic damage or decal wounds? No, no, no. Because those are those are clearly like runes of power. Okay. Well. Okay. So the one guy that's working for the evil family, uh, he definitely has that. He like, uh, you know, he has to spend a week in the worm pit, uh, yeah. which I'm gonna bring up again because it's so. Uh, astronomically weird that they decided to feature the worm pit so much. This is not this is not exclusive to the. I mean, you're familiar with like uh, the the concept of the the 
the uh, dropping insects into the same jar and making them fight each other to create the ultimate poison, right? Sure. What they yes. call that? This is a huge thing. This is like a thing thing. Okay. Uh, and and uh, in fact, in marriage toxin, this plays a huge part because they're also from a family of poisoners. Uh-huh. Uh So they do the same thing to them. But yeah, that's kind of the conceit they're going for is that they drop these kids into the jar of insects fighting to create the ultimate poison so that they themselves take in the ultimate poison in their body, right? That's the idea. Yeah. Uh, it's gross, uh, and they get real pervy with it. Yeah, they get it. They do it in the grossest possible way. Anyway, he uh, he has to go through that, and he comes out with uh, you know his hair is white, and he has, I think, like... Uh... A lazy eye or something. Yeah, the, but the bugs got inside of him. Yeah. Yeah. Tied right into that, absolutely, there's an old pervert in there. Oh, yeah. Central villain, one might say. Uh, yeah. And he's giving out weird hugs left and right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I absolutely said to myself, why am I watching this? Uh, several times. <laughs> uh, so that's another tick. Uh, how many are we up to now? Eight. Wait, wait, wait. You're you're applying you're you're applying some of these a little extra judiciously, I have to say. But uh, you can continue on. We're we're mob mentality right now. <laughs> Don't sure, stop sure. me. Sure. Okay. Keep going. Keep going then. Uh, I hope you keep a count. Uh, absolutely. Um, pedo shit, which is unfortunate and makes me feel gross. <laughs> it uh, is an anime. It is an anime. Which is why I expect uh, incest to show up at some point, even though it hasn't yet. <laughs> I don't think I've encountered any characters with amnesia yet. Not real. Well, okay. Uh, does Magic High School fall under Powers High School umbrella, or are those different things? Uh, no, it it's not a Powers High School because our our characters, our core characters, are not going to high school together to do Powers High. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a very yeah. specific thing that does not show up. Uh, I'm ex- it has not shown up yet, but this this reeks of the kind of writing that does the winning after losing trope. I feel like there's going to be a lot of uh, back turning and Uno reverse card situations. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It 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 makes some surprising choices. I think I think you will truly. I think you will be surprised. Uh, silver hair star child we got one of those oh yeah the the it is this is a big you humans uh thing but uh i think they do it in a in a slightly more applicable way than it makes it not so much a crime <laughs> uh well that's yet to be seen and then lastly the one that i'm seeing on here is hypnosis which uh they do right in the first episode the <laughs> the school shooter kid is like i guess faking a family he has these this old couple hypnotized to think that they're his grandparents so that he can live incognito while he does the death game. Yes, yes. Which is funny. I, I kind of that's pretty funny. You know, can't say I wouldn't do the same if I was in his situation. Yeah. But yeah, I think by my count that's uh more fingers than I have. <laughs> uh so I can't count higher than that. So that really puts this down at the uh, the bottom of the barrel here. This is certainly a like a a federal criminal for sure uh it's hard to argue i mean this is one of those hardened criminal types 
And it's a franchise, so I think we can make a Rico case uh, for this whole thing. Oh, and it's a video game. It's a video game. It's a visual novel. It's the most crime-filled video game possible. It's a gotcha game. Uh, The worst of the bunch. Yeah, I mean... When are we going to finally put them away? That's not federal prison. That's dungeon. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's forget that's throw them in an oubliette and forget about them. Yeah, uh, you put them under the courthouse. Oh, <laughs> okay. We are over time. I don't want to talk about Fate Zero anymore for today. You have anything else you want to spit out there before we wrap it up? No, I know, but I do urge you to finish up Fate Zero. Like I said, I I don't. I don't care too much if you finish any of the other series, uh, but I do care about finishing up Fate Zero and at least touching Fate Extra Last Encore because those are the only two truly interesting ones. I know, I it's not good. legitimately hate that title. And and watch, uh, when you're done with those, watch Fate Strange Fake, which is just 40 minutes. No big commitment there, just 40 minutes. Oh, hey, I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, I will... Uh... I'll, I'll at least commit to finishing Fate Zero. Good. Just because I like you. Good. Well, I on and I think you will. You will. Whether you like it or not, I don't know. But you will be stunned by how it wraps everything up. Well, uh, I guess tune in to see who uh, is going to be eating their words uh, in this yeah. case. I can't wait to see who wins and who loses. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Okay. Sure. Yeah. You know what? I did finish... I rolled credits on Baldur's Gate, so I, I am committing here in public uh, to getting some anime done by the next time we talk. Okay. Oh, I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what. Maybe I'll watch these Jujutsu Kaisen episodes. I do have to catch up there because Oh, dude, that's you got to catch up because they look good. They look I know, real they, good. They do, they do actually look good. And there's some other stuff I was thinking about. So I, I've, next episode, I promise there will be like anime. There will be actual anime. <laughs> All right. I'm going to hold you to it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We done? Whoa, we're done. Thank you for listening, you handsome and beautiful anime appreciators. We appreciate you, as always. Uh, check us out online at Anime Death Spiral. <laughs> <laughs> check us out online. I Somewhere. I'm sure you can figure it out. Listen, I am future-proofing these episodes so we don't have to go back and insert this. Look, anybody who listens to this is obviously a fucking Okay, bye. So they can figure it out. Bye. (laughs) Horses don't like racing. It's fucking, it's the stupidest shit. They don't like doing little dances. Uh, Horses don't like pulling things. They don't like horseshoes. They just want to run around with their friends. That's it.